Hello, and welcome to Sacred Adventure Begin, an inquisitive space where we explore topics like gaining wisdom, travel, yoga, meditation, dance, art, and following our soul-guided paths. I'm your host, Emily, from gettingintoit.com, and together we'll focus on enjoying, sharing, and interpreting our sacred adventures and how to embody these lessons in our daily lives. Let's begin. Hello, 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 listeners. I am so, so excited to be back on the mic again already. You're going to notice that I am um, doing a number of really exciting episodes this month and well into next month interviewing some incredible um, spiritually based entrepreneurs, which is really, really cool and really, really interesting because I think that, um, when you're going on your spiritual journey, when you're heading down your spiritual path, it's really, really, really important to see what great variety is available to you and, um, how much there is out there to learn. And I really think that every practitioner, um, be they an artist or just a meditator, or I don't want to say just a meditator, a yoga teacher, whatever, brings their own sort of flavor to what they do and uh, has the ability to open up um, new things for you. I always like giving the example, um, I was running the swing dance scene in Louisville and um, no matter how many times you explain something Um, people don't seem to get it. And then you bring in a new instructor, which is what we did for a little while. We, we frequently in the swing dance community will bring in guest instructors or host, um, out of town instructors for workouts, uh, not workouts, excuse me, workshops. And uh, all of a sudden students will be like, yeah, that thing you've been talking about. Oh my God, I finally get it. And it turns out they just needed to hear it a slightly different way or see it in um, a body that's more like their own or see it in a body that's completely different than their own or see it from a different angle or see a different size partnership. I could go on and on and on about this. Suffice it to say that I think that variety not only is a spice of life, (laughs) not to get a little cliche for you there. Um, but is actually very instrumental in our learning, especially when we are developing, um, you know, in, in the mysteries, uh, in the spirituality, in, in the realm of, you know, self-development and uh, self-learning and self-knowledge, because each different relationship opens up a different part of ourself, which is so amazing and cool. So... I'm super stoked to introduce the podcast guest today. Um, (laughs) It is Winifred Costello. And um, Winifred is an an incredible, incredible um, healing artist, teacher, and witch. Witch, witch. (laughs) Oh, those jokes never get old, do they? Um is really interesting to me. And I'm going to read you her bio from her site, and then we'll get into the interview because I asked her at the beginning of the interview to define out a little bit more, um, you know, what it is to be a witch. So um, her bio is this. Spirituality is perennially woven into the fabric of Winifred's path. She has over 25 years of direct experience and knowledge in paganism, goddess traditions, witchcraft, tarot, 
sacred dance, magic, Reiki, and energy healing. Awen Tree, which is her business, and also her website. So if you're listening to this and you're like, what? A witch on the podcast? Amazing! And you want to go ahead over there. It's A-W-E-N-T-R-E-E.com. Awen Tree is the manifestation of a lifelong dream to create a magical and sustainable business that celebrates earth-centered spiritual practices. Her vision is to provide a welcoming and inclusive healing atmosphere that inspires your unique process of spiritual awakening, empowerment, and transformation. And that is actually what drew me to Winifred, aside from the fact that she is also in Massachusetts and in spiritual practice. Um, But that idea that um, spiritual practice can and honestly needs to be inclusive. So more of that, what I was talking about earlier, yes and. So you can learn from this person and maybe what they say contradicts this person and how do you find space in yourself for both of those to be true. Winifred, founder and proprietress of Owen Tree, became a Reiki master teacher in 1997 and is a Lou Murian divine mother energy practitioner. Oh, Lemurian. Huh. Spelled interesting. She is an NGH certified hypnotherapist and certified past life regression facilitator. She served as a board member to the COVR, Coalition of Visionary Resources, in 2008. And she is one of the local coordinators for Western Massachusetts Pagan Pride Day. Hell yeah, I need to know more about that. She has a background in performance coaching management, and visual merchandising from her career as a retail manager in the outdoor industry. And she now runs, which is super, super cool, like a, like a school called The Witching Well, which I'm going to let her tell you about herself. Um, I will also say that if you enjoy doing a bit of reading and hearing new perspectives, her website is an absolute um, fountain of glorious writing. Um, I might close out this interview reading you a little bit about what she wrote um, about the season change from summer to fall. It was incredibly beautiful. So without further ado, here's Winifred. Hello, Winifred Costello, and welcome to the Sacred Adventure Begin podcast. I am so happy to have you here to share what you do with these amazing listeners. Hey, Emily. I'm super excited to be here. Yay. Thank so, you. So can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah, I sure can. So I, um, I wear many hats. I am a tarot reader, a tarot teacher, I am also a Reiki master teacher and a healing practitioner, and I identify as um, something we would call an earth-centered spiritual seeker, or I personally like the word witch. I know that word can come with a lot of um, misunderstanding, but um, that I'm definitely, that's the word for me. Um, And I really love to empower other earth-centered seekers to grow and build a spiritual practice that feels relevant, meaningful, tangible and accessible to them in within the earth-centered spiritual traditions of paganism and Wicca, witchcraft, um, in, in particular for like solitary folks and eclectics. That's amazing. So <laughs> I'm sure there were a lot of words in there that listeners might want a little more definition on. Um, 
I know you just said you would identify as many things like a Reiki healer and a witch. Um, and I'm wondering if you could tell us like maybe a little bit about some of the terms that you use. Like what is the difference between maybe like a witch, a Wiccan or a pagan? And then I think you also said uh, earth centered seeker Did, or yeah. was it earth centered spiritual seeker? Um, both work. So an earth centered spiritual seeker or an earth centered or earth centric seeker. Um, I, I like that term because, um, and you brought up some really good points. Like there's a lot of words out there yep. within the modern witchcraft movement, modern paganism. Um, so you have words like pagan, Wiccan, Wicca, witch, eclectic witch, all these various words. I like the phrase um, earth-centered spiritual seeker because um, there's many ways that there's nuances that those that, you know, whether you're a pagan or Wiccan or a witch um, might have some different flavor. Think of it like everything is soup, but um, <laughs> there's different flavors, you know, like you might be having chili or you might be having a vegetable broth, right? So, um, or a bisque. They're like all soup, but they're very, <laughs> the texturing and what goes into them is a little different, right? That's such a perfect way to describe it because I'm also now picturing the soup um, being cooked in a cauldron. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, one of the things I think can be easier for folks is to think about more of like, there's, I think people, especially in the pagan world, can get hot, caught up in the ways that we're different. Um, and so, I really am much more about like finding the ways that we share common ground and, and how we gather together around common principles or common values and a very core common value that shows up pretty much within all these traditions is honoring the earth as sacred. Um, and that, um, you know, being aware of the seasons of the year, the cycles of um, birth, life, death, and rebirth, the ebb and flow of the moon. And to me, they're very earth centric um, traditions. They're about, you know, honoring the earth and seeking to understand that we're not separate, that, you know, that um, our concept of spirit is something that's um, present. It's here. I kind of tell people it's like Star Star Wars: The Force. It's something that's, that's so here, perfect. right? Like it moves all within us and between us and through us, and it's in present in everything and any anything. So I, I feel like that Earth-centered spiritual seeker, or Earth-centered spiritual traditions, um, just kind of captures the essence, and it also helps. Not everyone uses the word witch. Um, that which the word witch is a very loaded word. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's important for those that are drawn to the word to claim that word, but if that's not a word for you, um, you might, I find that people are maybe earth centered in their spiritual practices, but they don't work with the word, which doesn't work for them. So they mm -hmm. might step away from pursuing or learning more about um, these traditions. So I like that word because that phrase is a little more open, I think for more people to, that might be new to their path or not really sure or seeking. So I like that phrase better. So what would be the difference between like uh, a Wiccan and a witch? Um, that's a great question. I think, you know, like every decade, I think it kind of changes. It's, it's definitely the lines are blurring. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like I think that when it comes to these practices, um, I kind of like to start with the word pagan um, and then go to Wicca, Wiccan and witch. Perfect. Uh, um, so, but I'm going to put the caveat out there that not everyone who's a witch would say they're pagan. Um, mm -hmm. but so pagans kind of like the tree. So that, that earth centered spiritual tradition, we could maybe identify it as pagan, um, like paganism. Um, and then there's many branches on the trees. So 
uh, and then with so then on the branches of that tree one branch might be wicca or wiccan and one branch might be being a witch but there's many different ways to practice these traditions so some people are in more more strict traditions uh, you know Wicca is a word that's gone through different uses. So winding it way back several decades, Wicca was a word people use because one, it's recognized by the government as a real religion. Mm. Um, and two, and therefore it gives you certain protections. Um, two, it's a less scary word. It's an older word. And so it's less scary than the word witch, which has a lot of misinformation attached to it. Um, but then some people that claim to be, that not claim to be Wiccan, but some people who are Wiccan are definitely following a specific religious um, method, like method, like a certain branch. Uh -huh. And so not all witches are Wiccan, but someone who's Wiccan might be a witch. Got it. And Wiccan is like, I, I guess if somebody were like, whoa, I didn't realize Wicca was a religion. Like where would they go to like, know what that religion is about? Um, <laughs> my first thought is like, oh, the internet. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> Sorry, it's terrible advice. No, don't, you can go to the internet. But, um, you know, there are some really beautiful books um, out, out there. There's some great authors. Uh, so I probably would recommend looking for a really good book on, um, you know, I would look for a book that talked about, you know, paganism and then Wicca and then witchcraft because they are all a little different. And I think it's important to, you know, do, do some, do your due diligence to do some initial re research and see uh, which flavored soup is starting to kind of really feel like it resonates best for you. Yes. So I actually have noticed this and I personally love that people are doing this. There's this like whole, uh, like come out of the broom closet movement. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you, Instagram. <laughs> yes. Well, actually, I think a lot of it's coming on Pinterest, too, because I was reading this interesting article about how, like, um, they're calling uh, they're calling the millennial witches <laughs> are learning about, like, witchcraft from, well, not necessarily from, from Pinterest itself, but they're putting a lot of, like, things out on Pinterest and then, like, taking photos of their altars and sharing their practice via Pinterest. Cause it's so easy to pin and like gather a thing together. Right. And I'm um, like, I, I actually have one <laughs> like a little pin board on like different rituals and stuff like that. And, um, so, so I'm kind of interested, like, cause I know there's all different kinds of witches, like, or, or ways that you could think about like being a witch. Like there's like a kitchen witch or like a green witch or an earth witch or I like, and so I'm, I'm kind of curious, like how you see those different identities or do you just sort of think of it all as like, all as sort of one big sort of idea of like the George Lucas Star Wars idea, like spirituality is everywhere. And like, no matter how you define yourself, like that's what we're all tuning into. Um, I think that's a, a really astute thing you're picking up on. And I think this is an important conversation to have because a lot of there every well everyone who let's say we have a group of folks that are witches so if we had 10 witches in this room they would all give a slightly different definition and they would all have a unique way that they express their witching so i think of witchcraft more as like it's an, a verb it's an action like you're witching it's mm -hmm. a way of being and within that you know each person is bringing their unique um, you know, signature, like soul energy, like their soul signature. So um, you could, like I said, let's imagine we have a room 
a gaggle of witches, like there's 10 witches in the room, they're not all going to be practicing their magic or their witchcraft in the same way because each person has what they're, you know, almost like this is like borrowing a word from the entrepreneurial world, but like a zone of genius. Mm-hmm. When it comes to your craft and your spiritual practice, each witch is going to have their own zone of genius. And so one witch might be like, we think like the classic witch, like a psychic witch who's reading tarot um, or doing astrology or something of that nature or divination. Um, but another witch might, that really might not be their thing. That might not be their specialty. They might be more of a healer and wanting to work in the healing arts. Another witch might be more of a community witch, like wanting to really do minis- what I would call ministry, like really going to um, help others. Um, you know, you might have a social, du- a social justice person that's really a witch that's really focused on creating change in the world. You could have a green witch, like you were mentioning, or an earth witch or an herbal witch, you know, someone who's really into like the green arts, like herbalism and all these things. You could have someone who's like a ma- more of a magical practitioner. You can be a witch and not really be into magic. I, I kind of personally, I think the deeper you go into your craft, there's kind of no, like, I think there's synonymous, like, I don't really think you can take the magic out of the witch, but there are witches that don't really, aren't really drawn to work to do magic. Um, and that it, it, it all works. Like that's one of the really beautiful things. It's sort of like witchcraft is like, this isn't my phrase. Um, I'm borrowing this from a mentor of mine, but um, they consider it like an orientation. Like you just are, it's a way you orient in the world. How you're right. So, so therefore like, you know, you're an artist. And so there could be 10 artists in the room, but everyone's going to have a different focus of how they bring their art into the earth plane. Oh my God. Absolutely. Well, I, I love this so much too, because I, I really feel like whether or not we acknowledge it, we're all creating the reality that we're experiencing yeah. <laughs> uh, in, in varying degrees. And the, the more you can become aware of it, the more you realize your power in it. And in that way, I, I think everyone is magical. It's just whether or not they have become aware of just how creative and um, co-creating they could be with what they experience in the world. I, I, I agree. I, I do think that, you know, we, um, I've, I've been trying to have a lot of awareness around the whole, um, like when it comes to claiming our personal power and our magic, I don't think we all start at the same starting place. And so I'm trying to be more conscious personally about like, we might have different levels of advantage or privilege when it comes to our ability to manifest, because we might not all be starting at the same starting place based on privilege. But I do think that um, the potential for us to claim our personal power, and and I think it's our birthright for everyone to heal and claim their personal power and um, move into a more holistic, connected, aligned way of living. Oh my God, I our birthright, but also our soul calling. <laughs> we, we all share that. <laughs> right. It is why we do what we do. Yeah. And it's also like a, a pathway that we're on, whether or not we ever acknowledge that we're on it. <laughs> right. So, oh man, that's funny. Um, I, I just, I love that you said that everyone brings their own zone of genius to their witching. And I also love the word witching as a verb. I think that's so, so beautiful. So I'm going to kind of pivot our conversation a little bit right now, because I think that listeners would be curious about this. And I'm also curious about this. So when you, I know that you have a, a, like a witch school. Can I call it that? What do you call it? Um, I call it a magical community, um, more like a collective. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
there, well, there is education inside the collective, but our, but I like, I think a collective or a community is probably a better um, way to visualize it. But you are doing education in classes and you're helping people to come to an awareness of what their zone of genius is, correct? Yes. Um, inside um, your, uh, the Witching Well is my online magical community where... Oh, I love I, the name of it so much. Yes, okay. it's as well. Like, <laughs> so if you think of like village, I'm really drawn by the archetype of the village witch from the, from, of old, whether, uh -huh. uh, you know, like whether she really they really existed or not you know but i'm really drawn to the archetypal energy of the village witch where you know that might have been the midwife might have been the herbalist it might have been you know um some sort of knowledge person of knowledge or cunning way person that the community went to for healing and resources of that nature or birthing or different things um or spiritual counsel mm -hmm. so to me, like I chose the word the witching well because one, I think of witch, witch witching is like an, like you have to. These traditions are all about practice and action and be and doing and being. So I like the word witching, and then I think of the well is like having a central well that we gather around, you know, for what we're. So when I think of the well, like what are we seeking as witches or pagans? Like we might be seeking knowledge. We might come seeking community support. We might be seeking inspiration. Maybe sometimes we're seeking encouragement or even like a cat like a, a nudge like some accountability like okay you know how can you get out of your head and into your practice or move through something so i like the image of the well because it makes me think of the the village well in the past where mm -hmm. people gathered around um that communal space and they would have exchanged conversations or tips or points or maybe even gotten into a deeper uh, you know a deeper relationship on on helping each other out but like that you know we go to the well to be nourished and um and to connect and, you know, I, I really think that we can't really do this alone, like anything in life. I think we do many things alone, but I do think that there's something powerful that comes from community. Yeah, and just, um, yes, I totally, I totally, totally, totally agree with that. Um, Oh, I don't think I answered your question. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you're fine. Philosophical <laughs> on the Witching Well name. So inside the Witching Well, um, we do, I provide spiritual mentoring and co spiritual coaching on earth-centered spiritual traditions, as well as, you know, hands-on um, teachings, um, you know, practice, you know, you know, witchy teachings and encouragement and community. So it's like kind of like an integration of, um, it's, I tell people it's like, it's like a modern approach to a, a non-coven. So it's a lot of the benefits that would have taken place in the coven, mm -hmm. but not the structure. We're not any one specific tradition. We don't have like the dogma and the restrictions that can come with the coven. That's one of the things that um, when I, I found you <laughs> and was reading through some of your work, that was one of the things that I found so compelling because occasionally um, when I've tried to engage in communities like this, I have found that there's there have just I haven't always agreed with the um, container for them and I love that you acknowledge that yours is more about guiding and like you equanimity are. like everyone who comes in is equal I like that too reaching my song so I yeah. started on these ways when I was a teenager and um, we I ran into a lot of different kinds of communities um, some that and I some that didn't work at all, some that worked really well. Um, I had issues sometimes with ego. Um, I think people can confuse ego with spiritualism. Mm -hmm. um, I had sometimes issues with containers. Sometimes I felt that they weren't very inclusive um, on all different kinds of ways. And I really, 
I, my road was so much longer and I really wanted to fill that gap that was missing. And I, I put a lot of thought into the container because I wanted it to be one that where the dogma and the rigidity and like, I don't want it to be a, um, there's a phrase we use cult of personality. Yeah. (laughs) Not about being the cult of Winifred. Like I'm really clear. This is a community and it's a place where we lift each other up. Sure. I'm the, the creator and the founder and I'm the mentor there. Um, and I'm creating that sacred container, but there's a lot of um, emphasis on co- collaboration and I want other people to show up and do their practice, you know, like it's about supporting each other. Yes. Cause a lot of people, I feel like, um, and this is the important part about community. You have these moments where you um, like have a revelation or you have a dream that like helped you know where you're going to go next, or you did a ritual and then you sat down in your journal and then you now have this like inspirational thing. Right. Or you manifest something and it comes to you and you're just like, oh my gosh, I did that. It's so healing to be able to take that somewhere because you know you can't call up your like super religious grandma and be like, (laughs) I made this beautiful thing with the universe. Like, (laughs) right? Yeah. Or even just to be able to say to someone like, you know, I'm, I'm working through maybe like, uh, you know, a money spell or I'm trying to call in, um, abundance in my life and I'm struggling with this element, this element and this element. And somebody else could be like, yeah, me too. And then you kind of figure it out together. Correct. And also too, like the teaching part of the witching, well, I really try to bring in those, the formula, like it's, I always say like, so, you know, I do think that witching is an orientation and it's about witching, you know, it's a verb and it's active, but it's also, I liken it to like baking. So um, when it comes to trying to, you know, whether you call it magic or manifestation or a living and aligned life, there's a certain, there's, there's a formula to those processes, much like in baking. So, you know, if you don't understand that baking is a chemistry and if we just pick cookies, like why everything, let's say we're making cookies and Mm -hmm. you know, there's a role for everything that there's a reason why there's an egg and there's a reason why there's flour and there's like, there's a reason why there's butter, which is fat. And so like, now let's say we, we, we understand how to make cookies and why we're making it. Now we want to make them vegan. We, if you just take the egg out, your cookies are not going to like stick together. If you take out, you know, if you take out the fat, they might not taste very good. So we need to understand the role of the egg and the fat to take them out and put in and make it put in something different that does the same job, but uh-huh. aligns more with your values. Like if you want to take the cookie recipe that's traditional, let's say, and make it vegan. Um, yes. This and is you such could a good just, analogy. Right. And that's what I think of witchcraft. So like you could just experiment and eventually you'd figure it out. Like the first time <laughs> you make cookies with no eggs and they they're just don't come together or the time you don't put any fat in it and it just tastes disgusting. You know, because <laughs> you don't haven't discovered like a, coconut oil. Like a bad cracker. <laughs> right, right, right. So like or like the first time you're experimenting with maybe um gluten free. So maybe you're trying to cook with gluten free flours. Um, but when, as you learn, lean, so to me, the teaching materials, the teaching part of witchcraft is helping you understand the chemistry and like, like that there's sort of like a formula. And then the more you understand, and the, we might call those the sacred mysteries, like there's reasons for the mysteries mm-hmm. and the sacred mysteries. And then as we, we spend time learning those, then you can, it empowers you to be more independent in how you approach your craft. You, you know, so yeah. you, it's probably the same in art. Like you oh, have yeah. to understand how oil paintings work, oil yep. paint works to paint an oil painting. Yes. And then you can experiment and then you can grow and discover more things. 
And sometimes you discover things by experimenting, which is like, but if, if you're going for a certain goal, it's always really, really good to have an instructor with you to help you problem solve. And also to start with at least a little bit of education, like here's 10 different ways to mix the paint. Here's 10 different solvents. Here's this, and this is what they all do. And this is the benefits and drawbacks of each one, right? Right, right. And also too, like a mentor can be the person to come in and really be really important, that important person that pushes you to grow, grow past your comfort zone or to really like unpack something or to maybe see, we can't, we can't be ourselves and see ourselves. That's just not, we can see ourselves somewhat, but we really can't see ourselves the same perspective as an outside person. So uh -huh. having a mentor or someone that, or community members that can come in and be like, hey, have you considered this? Or what a, so sometimes I, I, I love me some witches. I'm, I'm a, a witch girl from the get-go. Yeah. In time, <laughs> witches are super intuitive and they're super, they tend, you don't have to be psychic to be a witch, but they tend to be rather intuitive creatures. But I can see them, you know, getting confused between what's intuition speaking and like what's your anxiety speaking or what's, you know, your resistance speaking, you know, and, and it's good to have community and members to kind of call you to the table and say, you know, why are you not, why are you resisting that? Or why do you keep doing it that way? Or have you really, you know, you know, you know, help you have that greater awareness? Because that's like, we come to these traditions because like the ritual and the ceremonies are very, and the candle magic is all very alluring and compelling. Mm -hmm. And something in our soul has woken up and is really responding to that. But then the thing I always say to people, the thing about magic is that it works. Mm -hmm. And then once that starts, as you've expressed, like, oh, you know, this thing finally happens and you're going to talk to your super religious grandmother who's going to think you're just <laughs> worshiping the devil. <laughs> yeah. Scared, I, she'll sit there with her eyes glazed over terrified for you and then you <laughs> can't really like share the moment or get any insight. <laughs> sorry <laughs> no, yep. it's true right it's so and real you, yeah you have to unpack that because as soon as like you the deeper you the first time something magical happens for you it's a really powerful moment and then it inspires you to do more and then you start to run into your magic and then you start to kind of go like uh-oh like and then you start to unpack some deeper stuff and then there's this thing called shadow work and inner work that starts to rear its witchy head yes do these things and so having community that is safe and welcoming and inclusive in a sacred safe space or a mentor that you can work with can really help you move through those processes faster yeah or just in a held safe right. way yeah which is which is so huge and it's also i love that you call it the witching well. And I actually really love that you talked about the symbolism of the well too, because the well is that like portal between mm -hmm. earth and water and yeah. water is the emotions, the mystery, and it's dark in a well. And you <laughs> have to have the structure at the top to drop the little bucket in to get the water out so that you can examine it. Like oh that's better than my, I love it. That's great. That's totally spot on. But that's, uh, you came up with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you just it to a whole different level that I love. <laughs> I, I'm just telling you what I see it is. So, <laughs> so I, um, I feel like when we start, when we start acknowledging just how powerful it is that we are and, and how much like magic is available to us, it's almost like, like 
being Alice falling down the rabbit hole <laughs> or the, or the well in, in your case. <laughs> um, there's so much to like learn about, like from like Reiki to sacred dance, tarot, hypnosis. I also saw in your bio that you do fairy seership, which I'm super curious about, but we'll table that for a second. I, I wonder if you could tell the listeners and also me a little bit about how you got started down this path. Cause it's so cool. And all, everything that you do is so interesting. So. Oh, like, well, I came from, so my, my witch origin story. So <laughs> yes. I was really a, an odd kid and I was prone to really intense dreams and what I would call visitations. Like I would, um, and I was also raised in a really unique family for the time period. So I'm a, a like I grew up in the seventies and eighties and my parents consciously, they, they're from Boston. I'm from the Boston area. And they're the, uh, what I call like a very popular Boston mix, Irish and Italian. Yep. So my mom's Irish, my dad's Italian. Um, and they made a conscious choice to raise us not in, a, in, a, in the structure of religion. Um, they, my mom was very spiritual. They're very spiritual people, but they purposely raised us not in like in a secular but spiritually open-minded way um which is when you consider that i was born in the late 60s that's really and they got married in the 50s that's really revolutionary for their time period yep yes it is and um i was always and so so you combine that upbringing with um and my mom had a had a her irish mother read tea leaves um and my mom was raised by a very i never met my grandmother she passed before i was born but she definitely, from the stories of my mom shared, my Irish grandmother was very spiritual. And so I had this interesting childhood where I had a lot of intense psychic gifts that just sort of spontaneously were always either there or just woke up. And I had these very intense dreams and I had these weird experiences that um, a lot of people start on this path because they have visitors from like um, dead people, like they see the dead. Yep. For me, I had more shamanic events um, is the best, you know, to be culturally sensitive. I'm not trying to culturally appropriate that word, but um, I had these strange events happen. And um, one in particular, it was like before I was even three, it's like one of my earliest memories. So I viewed, I knew I viewed the world in a different way from the get go. And that, and then you combine that with the spiritually open-minded parents, but they were just like, if like I, I was just always seeking. So um, they would just encourage me. They'd be like, go to the library, get the book out, you know? So they were very supportive in my spiritual seeking and I was really into animals. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was very drawn to, I have no idea how the idea of being a witch came into my brain, but um, I always tell the story. So like in fifth and sixth grade, I became aware of being a witch. And I don't, we didn't really watch TV, you know, um, or the TV you watched in the seventies wasn't really about being a witch. Maybe, no, maybe no. it was a bewitched episode. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> I like got this notion that I'm going to be a witch. And so I, this, these two summers with my little neighborhood friends, I was like obsessed with being a witch. And so I decided that I would convince my two little neighborhood friends that they w- we would be witches together. And they came from a super Catholic family that was uber religious. <laughs> and I was seen as the strange little heathen child. And it was a very charitable thing that they allowed me to play with their kids. <laughs> if you grew up in the suburbs of Boston in the seventies and you didn't go to church or synagogue, no, that was bizarre. And your parents wouldn't let their kids play with me. So I kind of also had a pretty lonely childhood. Uh-huh. Um, so I was just sort of kind of set onto this path and I didn't, I, 
I don't know, like I said, this idea of like, I'm going to be a witch just came to me. And I knew it had that the moon was involved. So we would try to do these full moon rituals. Like we didn't even know what we were doing, but we, <laughs> right? But when I look back in hindsight, we were doing some crazily organically connected things. And like, at one point we found this metal hoop in the woods and we called it our, our witch's hoop of power. Yes. <laughs> and it was, and I don't even know where we even got the notions for these things. And I was really into herbs and I don't even know, I didn't even know what they were. I would just gather plants in the yard and be like, these are my witch's herbs. And I didn't even know what they were. Um, and then fast forward, that curiosity stayed with me. And um, I had some interesting experiences when I was young that really set me out on a path of seeking, actively seeking my own healing. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so that, so paganism just kind of organically evolved into seeking my own healing, which involved in discovering Reiki and going on to learn those things. And, um, and I'm a very, um, rather physically active person. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, eventually I went on in my twenties, I studied Reiki, I studied astrology, I got better at my tarot craft. Um, I had an amazing mentor in, uh, Reiki astrology, my Reiki master teacher. And, um, and tarot and she inspired me actually to open my store because she had a store that was a really amazing space um and i actually saw my my store was like i saw as the direct daughter of her store i thought like epigee which her store is not there anymore either and uh epigee was the grandmother of, or mother of awan tree um and in my 20s i also met my uh, middle eastern belly dance teacher and she was a powerful mentor for me because oh, she, i love belly dance you know, and she because she always was like all the belly dance teachers she connected me with they never were they were like phenomenally talented women and they never were like oh look at me and you'll never be like me they were always like you too can do this this is possible for you too and she um she like taught me about, uh, she was really very into body, body, body acceptance and body positivity. She was very much into women, feminist and women empowerment and, um, you know, accepting all body types. She was really aware of ageism and like, even though she was younger than me, she taught me about yes. ageism. Yes. Uh, I, she was a powerful dance mentor and really that dance and movement was sacred. So, I, and she was really into like, um, the sacred aspect of the dance and how like belly, Middle Eastern dance originates a dance for women, among women and with women and the whole spiritual side and the music and the culture. So like she was big on like us being respectful and aware of the culture of where it came from and mm -hmm. lots of education on that. So that's a little bit about the sacred dance part. It's so powerful to have an aware teacher who can say, this is where it came from not just like, oh, look, I made this up. <laughs> right, like, right. yeah, it, it was huge. Was, right. And she was like, it sounds like you've had teachers like that too. She, yep. she was very instrumental and we had to study the culture, the music, understand like music lessons almost like, you know, with, mm -hmm. like the signatures and how the structure of Middle Eastern music, which is very different than um, Western music um, structurally. So we had to like learn a lot about and show respect to that, which I, of course, you would do that. But I've realized in hindsight how special and blessed, I mean, I knew that at the time, but then the years passed and you just realize even more how blessed that an opportunity that was. Yeah. It, it's really huge because actually I feel like I feel frequently a little bit of frustration with the yoga community that I'm part of. And I went and did my yoga teacher training in India um, and am aware of the like cultures and traditions that it came from. But I feel like a lot of people, 
have kind of like a carte blanche to like decide like, okay, I'm going to make up a type of yoga and it's going to be my type of yoga. And it becomes, it does become very appropriative. And as, as people who are working in traditions that are both ours and ones that we come to through the process of self-discovery, like belly dance, or in my case, yoga, um, we, we, we don't have to be careful, but it can become appropriative quickly instead of appreciative. And there's like a very fine line to walk with that. And I think that the thing that at least for me takes it from, uh, you know, I just created this new type of yoga and I'm going to call it, oh, what's the one that drives me nuts? <laughs> um, <laughs> and actually, I love the practice itself. I just think the name is so appropriative. Instead of calling their um, teachers, well, they took um, the Buddhist word bodhisattva and they call their teachers bodhisattvas. And I was like, you just called your teacher an ass expert. Like why, <laughs> why would you take this term and like make it something about, but and the, the type of yoga is, is something about butts too. But, uh, but <laughs> I'll That's think of it in a second. It feels very, that feels appropriative. Um, and, and not acknowledging number one, where the word came from that they're then using, um, but not really being within the, the tradition and the scope of what yoga is really about. And if you're doing, if you're making a fitness empire and you're doing twerking while you're doing yoga, that's great. Do that. But also say like, we took this thing and then we changed it. And now we're not going to like, not, not associate with it, but like, we're going to use different words for it anyway. Sorry, that was a that was a rant. A side uh, side tangent. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I I do think well, like you were saying with shamanism and stuff, um, that as spiritual like mentors and teachers, that that is something that's important to also like pass down to students is just an awareness. This is where this came from. This is how this word has been used. This is how it's been taken from indigenous cultures, and this is how we're approaching it now. Right, exactly. And like, I use the word like a shamanic event because that's um, like our, my, la like, and if someone has a word out there that could replace it with, that would be an amazing. Well, I'm looking for a replacement word for shaman too. So <laughs> when somebody, uh, if you find one before me, you let me know. <laughs> right. I like, I'm not saying I'm a shaman. I'm just saying, just to be clear for your listeners, I'm not using the word shaman in the sense of saying I'm a shaman. I'm just uh -huh. saying it was what one would in, associate in a yeah. culture, uh, assign as a shamanic event. And, um, and so that, cause it, there was, you, I think a modern uh, European word would be a shape-shifting event. It was like definitely a shape-shifter. So uh, that could be a word. I think that would be more respectful to use. It was like a shape-shifting event. Yes. Okay. So you got into belly dance and mm -hmm. you started, you started your business, you got into belly dance, and I'm assuming you were learning a lot of your traditions through um, like reading books and then through one-on-one -on -one mentorship or group mentorship. And then you, so you open your business, you start belly dance. How did you get into this? No, I, I have to interrupt you. So, oh, yeah. um, so in my twenties, I um, was pursuing training and knowledge and learning around these traditions, but I actually went and had a whole career as um, a, a retail manager in the outdoor industry. Um, before I opened my business. I didn't open my business till 2006. So, um, so recently, I, hmm? yeah. that's pretty recent. Yeah. Yes. So before I, I went on a long and winding road, I was a single mom. Uh -huh. And so well, I always, as a side hobby, um, pursued like Reiki and tarot and belly dance. And, um, I'm a very novice astrologer. Like I'm not an astrologer. I just 
have some basic training. Mm-hmm. Um, I pursued all those as passion, like passion, like passion hobbies. I also um, am a big outdoor enthusiast and backpack. I rock climbed for many years. So, and hike and backpack and camp and garden. So I uh, worked in the outdoor industry and I was a single mom. And so that was how I, you know, made my way was um, being a retail manager for um, a pretty big name East Coast um, outdoor industry store. And um, I did that from 1995 until I opened my store in 2006. Wow. How perfect is it that you did that then? Because then you understood like how to run a business. Yes. I understood how to run a retail business. Like I have to say like, the tr- like I worked in a really special environment. It was a really working in the outdoor industry is like a really amazing and magical industry in itself because you're with people who love being outdoors, mm-hmm. which for this, which at heart, I was, to me, it was like, I'm empowering people to be outside, whether I'm empowering people to be outside from the perspective of, of their spirituality as a witch or empowering them just to be outside, just to be on the land. Cause I really had this secret mission the whole time I worked in the outdoor industry. Yes. The more I can empower someone to be outside on the land, the more they're going to have a direct relationship with the earth and the more they're going to want to take care of it and care about it. So it was sort of like a, to me, it was sort of like a different way to be a witch in the world. Yes, it was almost activist. <laughs> yes, and it directly, it directly, it, it's why I attribute my time there is definitely as to why I was able to successfully open and manage a pagan switch to shop yep. and navigate things like Lehman Brothers. Like I, my, I opened my store before Lehman Brothers happened. Um, that's a whole other story. But like, you know, and just to have a store, a brick and mortar for 14 years, that was, um, I just recently let the physical location of the brick and mortar go. Um, but it uh, due to, it was largely in part to the impact of COVID and also new ownership of the building where I rented was mm-hmm. really the main reason why I had to let the store go. But um, the store was amazing, wildly successful. I didn't let the store go because it was not doing well. It was doing incredibly well. Um, so it was a hard decision, but given the impact of COVID and like I said, new ownership, it was, it was the best way to ensure the longevity of the mission of mm-hmm. what, you know, I always see Alwyn Tree as its own, it's my way of serving. It's the way it's my temple, like space of like how I serve and interface in the world. Yeah. It's the well, <laughs> it's the yeah. structure at the top of the well for you to draw the water up and give it to people. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, before, so before I opened the store, I worked in the outdoor industry as a retail manager. Oh my gosh. I, I cannot say how amazing I think that is. Cause I think, um, a lot of people maybe in my age bracket or even a little bit younger um, aspire to things like that. And then they feel they beat themselves up about having like a, like a muggle job. Right. (laughs) But you know, like a a store manager, but they don't understand like eventually like everything it is that we end up doing does usually come to bear and what we eventually end up making out of our spirituality and our connection and, and, in this world for people to, um, engage with. And so that's, it's huge. Um, it all, it all feeds, it all feeds into, like, I look back and, um, I wanted to open my store like 10 years earlier than I did, but like I said, I was raising my daughter uh-huh. and so, and I needed a stable paycheck and, yep. but I look back and it was perfect to have, if I, like my time there really served me in one, it was a really I, I grew in so many ways, but it really served me to be able to open a store and understand and get things about, I mean, 
about like the mechanics of what it takes to run a brick and mortar, you know? So like, yep. I'm very, very grateful for the strange and long and winding road that I got my feet went on before I opened my store. Yeah. It, it's huge. Like even just from being able to navigate, like being a corporation and like applying for, um, wholesale license and doing taxes for a business and stuff. I think the like logistics and the like enormity of all of that mm -hmm. is something that kind of might stop people or like make them pause, um, before, you know, launching into something like that. But you had this job and so you were just used to it. You're like, well, I can do that. I already know I can do that. I've done it for this company, you know, like that's so cool. Yeah. Like, um, I always wanted to kind of write a big blog about it or something. There's the, there is something to the inner work that comes from having to grow through your comfort zone. And when you are the store manager for a team of people, nothing is going to make you push through your comfort zone like that. It's kind of like magic, like nothing else, you know, owning your own business, people who, there are people that are drawn to these traditions and they're just things they do as passions or they're, um, compliment the other, their regular muggle job. If we want to call it a muggle, a job. Yeah, I, I use that word. <laughs> or, or, I, we used to call it job job. Um, <laughs> so, but at the same time, some people like, it's fine to have a job job. That's absolutely yeah. fine. And to do these and save your, like, you know, just use these traditions as things that you do otherwise. But then there are those of us that are called, like they want to become their work and their calling. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's what you're talking about, like where they want to earn their right, their livelihood or their living through like what we might call, now the phrase is like a professional witch or maybe a professional healer or a professional tarot reader or something like that. And um, the structure, like nothing will turbocharge your personal development growth, like owning your own business. No joke. Like, <laughs> And, and even being a, and being a leader of other people, other team members really is a whole different element of this, like, you know, talk about you're leading a team, you know, they're all looking at you and they're all holding up mirrors and shining you right back at them. It's kind of like your magic, you know? Yep. 100%. Um, yeah. So it, I, I learned tremendous things from the folks I worked with. And the funny thing was like, my, all the people that would come to work for me, like I wasn't, I was out if someone asked me about being pagan. I was certainly out to the company I worked in. They knew I was pagan. I used the word pagan back then because it was less scary. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I modified I a that. word to fit the climate um, in the, in the, because the, I didn't want to lose my job. Although sure. the company I worked in was really progressive. So they were fine. They, my, my direct reports knew that I was pagan. Um, but interestingly, people would come and apply to work there and become hired, you know, get hired, become, I would hire them and I would interview them, hire them. They'd be in training or soon after they were part of my team, they would declare, they would, they would really, they knew I was pagan and they would announce how they were pagan. And yeah. before I knew I had like five other pagans on my, on my team. Not, <laughs> right? Is that a trip? And, um, but I didn't, they didn't just, that, you know, you can't ask questions about religion in an interview. Of course None not. of those questions were asked. I didn't disclose that. They, they vibed it. And maybe on some conscious level, I vibed it. So we, it was really awesome where we worked in this little small town. A lot of my team was pagan too. Yeah. And, so and cool. facilitating people to get out and be on earth. Like, yeah. yeah that's awesome. Direct, Direct my whole thing. I think you could like look back on a theme in my life. It's about empowering people to have a direct relationship with the earth. Mm, I love that. 
Okay. I've been wanting to ask you about this because it sounds amazing. So, <laughs> so I saw, um, you say it on your website and then you also, I think said it earlier, but that you have, that you have a, I guess like a, not a license, uh, certification or just experience learning in fairy seership. And I was wondering if you could tell me what that is or like where that came in along your life, life path. Um, so fairy seership is, um, uh, the House of Brie and the House of Brie is founded by um, this amazing and wonderful friend of mine and a mentor and um, that's Orion Foxwood. He's pretty well known um, and so he's an author and a teacher and so um, Fairy Seership is, an is not invented by him but he founded the House, House of Brie which um, teaches Fairy Seership. So Fairy Seership is sort of if you go back to um, Northern European practices, mm -hmm. um, there's a lot like it's a lot kind of, to me. My personal def definition of fairy seership is sort of like being like an earth, an earth. Um, like I'm trying not to. I don't want to use the word shaman, so I'm trying to think what would be a similar like a person who mystic? walks. Yeah, like an earth Guide. mystic person. Yeah. Who, yeah, someone who walks between the worlds and travels through the underworld, the middle world, the upper world, but from a Northern European perspective, like pre-Christianity pre coming in and, you know, taking over. So like, they would have seen like very, very much like that there is more worlds than meet the eye. So that the uh -huh. Fae, um, the Fae or the Fair Ones, the Fairy Folks, a lot of cultures have mysteries and stories around um, other, other kin or other, other beings, other people other people whether they're in a parallel parallel world or whether their world was really once more integrated with ours and is now more separate um it's kind of you know who knows for sure mm -hmm. um, but it's definitely like fairy seership is about you know um, being a to be a seer is to be like a steward of the earth it's another very much earth centric um they're very much in a spirit of place um the earth um and some cultures talk about like are angels and fairies the same thing are they the same beings um because angels actually were um predate the bible if i'm i might not be getting they that. do no you're correct in that uh, many traditions have uh stories of angels or winged winged beings right and they're yeah. they're the shining ones they're of light like yes. and that's how fairy fairy folk are um described and if you go back to like um lots of cultures have some sort of fairy tradition they might not use that word but they have some sort of like other people or little people or mm -hmm. not little as in little tiny but little like a different culture like other kin yeah um, and so um angels and fairy folk are described similar in those older texts so are they the same are they or are they were angel with those angel sightings and connections really fairy or were they angels or like it's kind of very fascinating so and um yeah, you those know, are such interesting questions mm -hmm. and so um fairy seership is um a tradition that respects and honors and seeks to sort of kind of breathe modern life into those old world traditions that's awesome yeah and um i and my mentor for that was is orion foxwood and he's got some amazing books if people are more interested in learning about that that's so cool. You're, you, you yourself are a wellspring of knowledge. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I, I, I inherited that from my mom. Like the, what goes into state, like I just, my brain's like this giant library and what goes in there just stays there. Yeah. And it's so cool that, um, the people who work with you get to like 
not have access to that in that they're not like in your brain or anything, but like can ask you questions or can like be like, Hey, I'm into this. And you have so many places that you can send them based on what they're, as you said earlier, I like that you use this word zone of geniuses. Yeah. I like one of the things like when I first opened Alwyn Tree, one of the things I discovered immediately was that a pagan or a witch store becomes like this mystical portal and yes. you end up being like my, I saw my job as a few things. Like some days I felt like I was a priestess in service to the temple of the space because pagan and witch stores become like, the, we don't have churches. Mm-hmm. So the stores become the community centers. Mm-hmm. And there's a phrase we used to use like called street ministry. So like one, some days you're there and you're like the, the priestess in charge of the temple and you might be providing street ministry to someone who comes in that's just in spiritual need mm-hmm. or, or you might, you know, maybe just in conversation and time they spend in the shop or they might, you know, they might actually book a session and be a client or be somewhere in the spectrum of that. And then there were days when you were the priestess in service of the temple, tending to the shrines and cleaning, you know, I had shrines and altars and things. And like your job was to like tend to the energy of the space and cleanse and clear it and charge it back up. So it could, the battery, I call it like the spiritual battery, the store could stay healthy and well for me, for those that work there, for people who came through the space. And then there were days when you, um, you know, you're being like a gatekeeper and like, you know, there might be just people coming through and you're just sort of like helping them access the right resources for their journey, for where they were in that particular moment. It might be something, just a conversation. Like I said, it might be a certain stick of incense. It might be a book and it might be just spending some time. Like we, sometimes people just came in and just quietly stood somewhere in a corner for a few minutes and then this went on and then would thank us and go on their way, you know, like, so it was a very powerful experience. Like it was very humbling and sacred experience to actually own a brick and mortar. And then on the other hand, there were days when you went in there and you were like the retail manager wearing the hat of like operations and Uh business. So it was a, it was a very powerful multi-leveled experience. And I really like, I'm very humbled and honored to have had all my time there. I used to tell people, I thought I was opening the magic store, but really the magic store was opening me. <laughs> That's so perfect. Yeah. And kind of preparing you for the digital age and to like be able to hold space and be the container that you are now um, with your online school and stuff. Yeah. And I, you know, and that's a great point you're bringing. You're actually helping me connect a dot with that because I, I, I know for a hundred percent, I'm way more capable and able to hold. I feel very confident about holding a digital container because I had so many years in holding a physical container. Mm-hmm. I know it's so it's such incredible work. I worked and this is a little bit different, but I, I always have the, um, like shop owner fantasy in my head. <laughs> yeah, I think most funky, cool, eclectic killer folk do. Yes. Yeah, just like for what you said, the, um, the service part of it, but what keeps me out of it is that I, I know I will get bogged down with the, uh, logistical stuff. And I don't want to have to deal with that. <laughs> well, I want to get that out of the way just so I can work on the service stuff. But um, for a little while, when I finished my undergraduate, I um, I had run at the school I created and ran a knitting circle. Ooh, and, love it. and then I worked at a like, locally owned knitting store for a little while. And the exact description of what you're saying happens there. Like 
people come in and they need a thing. So maybe you're directing them to the type of yarn that they should use for their project or the type of needle that they should use with their, for their project. But a lot of times what you're doing is receiving their story, listening to their dreams and then helping them down the path. Like, like witnessing and holding space. Yes. Which is like why community is so, so, so important. And I, I also think like with, with like witches or Wicca or pagans or however you want to kind of like describe that. I think that it attracts people who understand that um, a lot of their learning has to be self-generated because it's, it's your magic that you are using when you are, when you are witching, right? Right. uh, But there, there tends to be that idea like, oh, I have to do it all by myself. And so I am always really interested in people like you who are making community with this and creating like healthy learning environments. So I kind of wonder, like, like, how did, how do you do that? How did you come to that? <laughs> how did I come to that? I think from like, like experiencing what I, what I, I'm really great at like, wow, why doesn't that exist? Like, I wish that had existed. And so then I'm like, I think I'll go make it. I'm just yes. <laughs> very visionary. And, um, I looked back on my own journey and I met some powerful mentors that directly impacted my life in a very positive way. And so some, some of this is paying it forward in that level because my life literally went in a very different and much better direction because of those mentors. Mm-hmm. And then the other times is also integrated with that or times of like loneliness and struggle and, and just feeling adrift and making some missteps um, that, you know, yeah, sure. Those missteps like feed your learning journey, but um, you know, I, I think if I had there been a better container for me that I could have expedited and avoided sidestep some painful things that weren't necessarily that helpful to have encountered. Um, and so I really wanted to go and create what I thought was missing in the world. And I craved community that like celebrated independence um, and, you know, but also understood that like understood that fine balance of like, you know, community in community, right, safe, inclusive community that's really there to empower you can lift you up in a profound way that really nothing else can. Um, And I had experienced the wrong kind of community and the right kinds of community. So Mm -hmm. I really wanted to create where there was more of the right kind of communities. Not, not, that's a terribly judgy sounding word, but I think you know what I mean. I do. I know maybe ones that you would feel, you personally would feel safe and healthy in. Um, And I was, thought there's got to be a better way yep. like, we can be more collaborative and co- you know connected and you know you know and celebrate our independence while we are coming together yes and I think that's like the cool thing so I I find like ritual or um like use of magic or I liked what you were talking about earlier when you were talking about um thinking of the cycles of the year and what they represent and then how how can you use that like to open up something in your life and um i think that it's so cool that we have the internet now because you could have like an online ritual and everyone can be doing it their own personal way but you're all doing it together online or you're all learning about it online and so you have this really interesting way of like marking the energy that you're in and marking the time that you're in and then marking also like what you're going to do with that energy or how you're going to feel it or how you're going to apply the wisdom of that to your life. And I think that that's super cool. Right. Yeah. Like that's interesting you bring that because I'm in an, I'm also, I'm also part of a community in a, in, in a different tradition where I really respect and admire how things is much more egalitarian and collaborative and all about, you know, 
like all kinds of gender expression is celebrated and welcomed and it's a much better fit for me. Mm-hmm. And when they do, there are times when we're invited to uh, light a candle because a bunch of folks within that tradition will all be doing a ritual. Everyone's in their own home doing their own ritual, but we all light a candle in support of all these different individuals all over the earth doing this ritual. So it can be very profound to like know that other people are lighting candles and holding space for you. I love that. Yeah. So and we awesome. do... We're about to have, um, that's something new that we're bringing to the Witching Well is offering um, uh, digital sabbats, I guess, or virtual sabbats. So we're going to be having our first ritual on Saturday, actually, for Maven. Yes. yes. Mm. Um, so that's cool that it was interesting you brought that up. Too. Yes. I know that Maven is coming because I joined your mailing list and I read what you wrote and it was beautiful. <laughs> Maybe I'll put an excerpt of that at the end of, um, of this interview with your permission to read your words to the listeners. Oh yeah, absolutely. Plus at the end, there's that guidebook. So if they want to grab that, if that's a value to them, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Yep. I joined your mailing list. <laughs> you, you have a fan. <laughs> oh, okay. That makes, that makes my heart glad. <laughs> So can you tell listeners um, who might have just heard what I said and, and also heard you say guidebook <laughs> um, how they can connect with you? Um, so I tell, um, it's pretty easy. I tell everyone you can find me under Awentree, A-W-E-N-T-R-E-E. So that's awentree.com. Awentree has a page on Facebook and my Instagram handle is Awentree. Um, if you go to um, awentree.com, the most recent blog post has that Maven article that you're talking about with that guide that they can download. Or if they're on Instagram, they can go to my profile and click on the link there and get on my newsletter and stay connected that way. Oh, or that's perfect. A DM. You can always DM me on Instagram. It's really me who's going to respond to you. That's also awesome. Um, listeners, you might be hearing my dogs in the background and I apologize for their barking. They just got so excited about joining the mailing list. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I have, a dog. I have a dog too. She's been very good and quiet today. Yay. Yes, we, we love our babies. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you, Winifred, for sharing your sacred adventure with me here on the podcast. It has been an absolute pleasure getting to know you and your work. Oh, thank you, Emily, for having me. This has been way too much fun. Yeah, ditto. We're definitely going to have to chat more. So (laughs) listeners, thank you so much for being here. You can find all the links Winifred mentioned in the show notes. Hello, listeners. Way to hang in there. That was such a cool interview. I learned so much, and I bet you did too. I did want to close out reading a little bit um, from... Winifred's website from the latest blog post called Celebrating Mabon the Autumn Equinox. And it was just so beautiful how she starts it. So I'm going to read that to you and then you can head over there and finish that. And also she has a how-to set up an altar on there if you want to snag that. It's pretty awesome. So she writes, It is a hot summer day toward the end of August. You stand still for a moment in the lazy, dry heat listening. Do you hear it? Autumn is whispering to us through the ripening tomatoes on the vine and the late summer flowers in our gardens. My mama always spoke about how the flowers of this time of year held a bittersweet sorrow of the earth. As a child, I wasn't quite sure what she meant by that, intellectually, but in my heart I could feel it. 
If you know the story of the goddess and god through the seasonal wheel of the year, then you know that the sorrow my mama spoke about was the sorrow of the goddess mourning the loss of the god who willingly sacrifices his life force in the form of the first grain harvests so people can live. As we head toward the autumn equinox, also known as Mabon, we are writing the seasonal cycle of three aspects of harvest time. And she goes on to describe a little bit more of these aspects. It's just so personal and so beautiful. And I loved that idea of that like sadness being connected with fall because the seasons are turning right now and I am indeed feeling a little bit sad <laughs> that I'm getting less and less tomatoes every day from my garden and I am enjoying the changing of the trees and I bet you are too. So if you're interested in uh, learning a little bit more about how to work with the seasons and how to work with earth magic, she has an amazing gift offering on her website and I will also link the blog post that I just started reading for you. I hope that you have a magical and a wonderful and a fantastic day.